Election College, episode 172, The Life of Samuel Adams, part two. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So Ben, in our last episode, we were talking about the very independently minded Samuel Adams who strongly spoke out against Parliament and them getting all up into the colonists' business. They had no authority, Adams said, to interfere what was with what was going on in North America. Yet they were issuing all of these acts. And if you want to hear more about those acts, you can go way back in the early episodes of Election College and find out just what those crazy British were up to back in the 1760s and early 1770s. Anyway, in 1768, Boston is under occupation because, well, of these independently-minded colonists. And the occupation of Boston was very much a time where Adams said, you know what, reconciliation is not going to happen. And he secretly begins working towards American independence. Keep in mind, 1768. In 1775, a lot of people were still thinking, hey, maybe we can get along here, but not Samuel (laughs) Adams. Yeah, so some people will say, no, that's not how it was. Uh, Adams wasn't hugely into independence before the American Revolutionary War begins in 1775. You know, he, he really isn't trying to get away from the crown. He just wants to reform some of the practices. So, you know, depends on which historian you listen to. For, for our purposes, we like to think that he was all about independence from the get-go, but hey, that's just us talking. So Adams is really opposed to the British occupying Boston, and he really considers it a violation of the Bill of Rights that they have with England from 1689. So the the fact that they're occupying them spreads throughout the colonies. It had been written about and publicized and everything like that. And the Journal of Occurrences, which uh, had been written by Adams and some other individuals, says, here's a daily account of different events that are happening in Boston during this occupation. And this is a you know great way to get the word out, especially in this time, because that's your main source of information was the newspapers and written word. But you know maybe it was fair, maybe it wasn't, but they basically said, yeah, uh, they're, these British soldiers that are occupying us, they're unruly, and they're assaulting men, they're raping women, they are uh, totally destroying the trust that we would have in a governing body. And on August 1st, 1769, General Governor Bernard had actually left Massachusetts, never came back. And they're like, hey, let's celebrate. Let's We don't have to publish this paper anymore. But up until that point, 
daily. They were publishing what exactly was happening and uh, presenting everything from the Brits in a bad light. Yeah, so things really come to a head in March of 1770, and we know this event as the Boston Massacre. What happens is British soldiers kill five civilians. And, of course, the British are going to go, well, hey, you know, five people, whatever. And (laughs) Adams and his supporters are saying, this is horrible. No, this was unprovoked. And what, what are these soldiers doing killing civilians? Sam convinces his cousin, John Adams, and his other cousin, Josiah Quincy, to defend the soldiers that had committed this act of the Boston Massacre. And he knows pretty much that John Adams and Josiah Quincy, yeah, they're good attorneys, but they're not going to throw Boston as a city or a, a people under the bus just to make sure they get a win on their on their folders. So he asked them. Uh, what happens, though, is they do get the soldiers acquitted, and Adams gets really upset about that. He writes a bunch of essays condemning that and says, you know, basically these guys should have been convicted of murder because that's what they did. They killed people uh, without provocation. You know, maybe that's debatable. But uh, so after this Boston massacre occurs, all the politics in Massachusetts just kind of not stop, but kind of stop. April of 1770, Parliament actually repealed the township duties. Uh, They did leave the tax in there on on the tea. And so... You know, Sam Adams is like, come on, come on, keep boycotting them, quit. Like allowing them to tax us in even one area uh, just shows them that they can do it in other areas. But people kind of uh, said, oh, yeah, well, it's not that big a deal. We've got better money now than we did before. You know, the the economy has improved some. And uh, yeah, maybe we won't boycott things anymore. Just we kind of like having that tea. It's a good tea. So things start kind of going downhill a little bit for Samuel Adams. John Adams actually pops out of politics. John Hancock becomes a little more moderate. And Samuel's like, you know what? I'm going to keep running. And uh, he gets elected to the House of Representatives in Massachusetts again. But not like before. It's just not the same. He never has the same amount of support. Um, Well, not never. But for a while, he doesn't have the same amount of support. Uh, he gets way less votes than he ever had. Yeah, so just goes to show you, you know, complacency, the whole issue of American independence, everybody except Samuel Adams is pretty much chilled out. And so everything is pretty much chilled out until 1773, when Parliament starts exerting power over the colonies again. And Adams is fighting against this tooth and nail and he's disagreeing with the governor who's like you know what you know parliament they have they have say over what happens here and adams is like no sir so governor hutchison is very much trying to make good with parliament and samuel adams is very much like no and by the time december of 1773 rolls around Adams and his guys decide to throw tea into Boston Harbor. And you know what that is, right? 
the Boston yeah, Tea Party. Yeah, hopefully we don't have to we don't have to explain all that <laughs> the Boston Tea Party and Yeah. So Great Britain says, Oh yeah, you're gonna throw our tea into Boston Harbor? Well, guess what? We're gonna introduce the coercive acts. And the first of those acts was the Boston Port Act, which closes Boston's commerce until the East India Company had been repaid for the tea that was thrown away. And then the Massachusetts Government Act rewrote the Massachusetts Charter, making many of the top leaders to be appointed by England. So Adams works in secret slash open to coordinate resistance to these coercive acts. And in May of 1774, the Boston Town Meeting organizes a boycott of the British goods. I feel like we had a boycott once before, but this is another boycott. And in June, Sam Adams actually heads up a committee in the Massachusetts House. And uh, he's there. He's proposing that, you know, this this Congress that they're developing meets in Philadelphia in September, uh, during which this this meeting, they have to lock the door to prevent uh, General Gage, the commander of the British forces, from coming in. So it's kind of a tense situation, I guess you could say. Adams gets selected to be one of the five delegates to go to the First Continental Congress, and his friends are like, dude, you have the worst fashion sense on earth, so... And you're poor. (laughs) And you're poor, yeah. So we're going to buy you new clothes, and then we're going to pay for your way to get down there. Uh, And this is actually Samuel Adams' first trip outside of Massachusetts. Yeah, so in Philadelphia at the First Continental Congress, Adams promotes unity among the colonies, and he's trying to lobby other delegates to get on board with the whole deal. So in September, messenger Paul Revere, you've heard of him, right? He brings Congress the Suffolk Resolves, and that was one of the resolutions that provided resistance to the coercive acts. And Congress endorses this, and they issue a Declaration of Rights that denies Parliament's right to legislate for the colonies. And they organize yet another boycott called the Continental Association. Adams returns to Massachusetts in November of 1774. He serves in the Provincial Congress of Massachusetts, and this is a group that is operating independently of British control, and that went over really well in England. Uh, So he gets sent back to the Second Continental Congress, uh, set to meet in Philly in May of 1775. Uh, John Hancock joins him, and this is where it gets really tense, because Hancock and Adams basically can't go back to Massachusetts because, well, General Gage is being advised by Lord Dartmouth to try them for treason and rebellion. So this is the can that is opened. And really, you got the Revolutionary War going on. And our friend Samuel Adams, he is the instigator of a lot of this. Why don't we hear more about him? Except for beer. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So Gage, uh, for whatever reason, ends up not arresting Adams and Hancock. And the difference is that the Patriots, who 
are not a football team, but instead Patriots, believe that they have been captured. And it's entirely possible that maybe this was some uh, false information being spread for their own purposes or something. I don't know. But uh, Joseph Warren dispatches Paul Revere from Boston to go and say that the British troops were on the move and might attempt to arrest Adams and Hancock. And just as Adams and Hancock are making their escape, this is when the first shots ring out at Lexington and Concord. And uh, yeah, you know, kind of hopefully where the Revolutionary War goes from there. I just got Schoolhouse uh, Rock in my head. (laughs) Shot heard around the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Gage, you know, the, the leader of the British forces, actually says, he sends out a letter and says, listen, anybody who gets, who, who puts down their guns, who just goes back to normal life, you guys can have a pardon. Unless your name is John Hancock or Samuel Adams, in which case you're dead. So everybody's yeah. like, okay, so those guys are now automatically elevated to the to the point of fame and uh, respected immensely. Yeah. By the time the Second Continental Congress um, gets around to convening again, Thomas Jefferson is like, this is the guy. He is the one who is the father of the revolution. And Adams becomes an advocate for the Declaration of Independence. He wants more and more people to be persuaded that this is the right thing to do. So he goes back to Massachusetts and does some politicking. And by the time July rolls around, Congress approves the language of the declaration, Adams and his cousin and many others sign that document and Congress manages the war effort. So Adams serves on several military committees, including an appointment to the Board of War, and he advocates paying bonuses to the Colonial Army soldiers to stick with it. And if you've listened to some of those early podcasts, you'll know that uh, paying soldiers was not always done, (laughs) but uh, Samuel Adams was very much in favor of making sure that these Patriots were being compensated. So Adams is the delegate from Massachusetts to the committee that is supposed to be writing up the Articles of Confederation. And of course, this is the way that the uh, the colonies are going to move forward after they've separated from Britain. And there's a huge emphasis on states having sovereignty and Congress having a uh, not so strong central government, per- preferably, and Adams is a big proponent of this. And Adams at this point says, you know what? I'm a citizen of the United States. Um, Massachusetts is my country, but uh, I am I am a United States citizen. And so the Articles of Confederation go out for ratification in November of 1777. Adams is, he is in Philadelphia saying, hey, Massachusetts, please just ratify it. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And of course, it takes until 1781 until all the states ratify. He goes back to Boston a couple times here and there. And then finally, in 1781, retires from the Continental Congress 
and uh, he had had some health issues and was getting close to being 60, and he uh, had some tremors. The tremors made it difficult for him to write. Actually, he didn't write much at all during the last 10 or so years of his life. But he wanted to go back to Massachusetts to make sure that he could uh, you know, have an influence in the political state of things there in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Yeah, and it's very interesting to me because... You know, you think of the most popular Adams of this era, John Adams. He was the guy who was traveling to and fro. He was the guy who, you know, went to Europe and was called his rotundity and was really an advocate for the establishment of the United States government and the whole concept of federalism. Well, Adams, Samuel Adams, that is was a bit different. You know, he goes back to Massachusetts. He doesn't leave the state. He stays there. He serves on the state Senate. Uh, oftentimes he was um, the president of the Senate there. He was very much a Republican. He believed that uh, the representative form of government was the way to go and that states' rights were extraordinarily important, just like Ben said, where he considered himself, yeah, a citizen of the United States, but Massachusetts was his country. And uh, after the war, you know, you had people like uh, Thomas Jefferson, who were very much of that same mindset where the rights of the states superseded anything. And uh, he joined Jefferson in denouncing uh, the Society of the Cincinnati, which a lot of former army officers had um, banded together to form the society. And it was basically a crony organization. It was almost like a nobility. And he didn't want to have anything to do with that because, well, he didn't want to see America go down that path where there was this noble elite. So a little contradiction with uh, this um, mentality of uh, having the little guy stand up to the big guy was Shay's Rebellion. And uh, we've talked about this before where a group of uh, farmers, they were angered by high taxes and government intrusion. They armed themselves and uh, shut down debtor courts in a couple of counties and Adams Uh, was accused of forsaking his principles, but he was very much against the rebellion. He opposed taking up arms against the Republican form of government and this group of elected people who were governing. He thought that was totally wrong. So he went so far to say that the leaders of the rebellion should be hanged. And um, he was very much supportive of the leadership that the people, now keep in mind the people were free white landowners, but he was going to do everything he could to defend the duly elected representatives. So the Shays Rebellion basically kind of helps tighten up the fact that the Articles of Confederation need to be revised a bit. And so in 1787, a bunch of delegates go to the Philadelphia Convention, and they actually create a United States Constitution instead of just revising the Articles. 
of course, we've talked about this, and uh, we haven't talked, though, about Sam Adams's opinion on it. And he says, you know what, I confess, as I enter the building, I stumble at the threshold. I meet with a national government instead of a federal union of states. He was definitely called an anti-federalist in this instance. So uh, he was elected to go to the ratifying convention in 1788. Uh, and he did speak at the convention and listen to everybody who had things to say and uh, listen to all their arguments rather than raising objections. And they actually, he actually agrees in the end to support the constitution because, Hey, it's important that we have this document, but he's also a big proponent that, yeah, we need to definitely have a bill of rights. That's an obvious thing uh, from their point of view. Yeah. Uh, So Adam's, in 1789 was elected lieutenant governor and he served until uh, John Hancock, who was the incumbent governor of Massachusetts dies in 1793. So Adams does become the governor. Uh, He's elected the next year in his own right. And he is regarded as the leader of the Republicans. uh, Again, the anti-federalists there in Massachusetts. And, um, he speaks out uh, against some things that are going on nationally, including the Jay Treaty. He loses out on the presidential election in 1796 uh, to his cousin, uh, John Adams. Uh, there was an effort to make Samuel Adams Jefferson's vice president, um, but instead John Adams, his cousin, uh, yet his political opponent, um, had actually defeated him that year. Uh, they were still friends throughout that go figure. And, uh, how, how would you like to, Ben, we're cousins. We could run against each other and, uh, (laughs) we'll still be friends. Um, but, uh, he decides not to serve any longer as the governor because he's in full agreement with George Washington saying that, eh, we should probably not serve term after term after term. That's not cool. So Sam Adams does pass away at the age of 81 in 1803. And he's at the Granary Burying Ground in Boston, uh, which I believe is actually like the third oldest cemetery in Boston, which is still saying something when you think about the fact that there are two that are older than that, because that's an old cemetery. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's recognized after that as the father of the American Revolution. Uh, he's a controversial figure. You know, the, was he significant? Was he not? Because, um, you know, some people uh, hundreds of years later now say, well, there were so many other people who were more influential than him. Uh, but at the time, almost anybody you would have asked uh, said that he was one of the foremost leaders there in the American Revolution. Yeah, when John Adams traveled to France during the war, uh, he had to explain that he was not Samuel, uh, the quote, famous <laughs> Adams. <laughs> so people who were supportive of the revolution really like Sam Adams. The people who are loyalists really despise him, which makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you, you like or hate the people who are for or against the same things you are. It's human nature. But So, you know, he, he becomes controversial in some aspects because he kind of incited uh, treasonous behavior but 
Uh, he's very well liked in other instances because that treasonous behavior led to the start of the United States. The shot heard around the world was the start of the American Revolution. Sorry, Ben. I had to sing Thanks. That. Thanks for apologizing. Uh, <laughs> we want you to understand that uh, Jason just likes to sing. And sometimes you just need a place to sing. And that's this podcast for us. And if you want to help Jason's habit of singing continue, uh, you can go over to our Patreon page, which is a place where we can uh, raise money for the show. You can show your support for as little as 11 cents per episode, which ends up being a buck a month. Uh, or, you know, go a little higher if you want. But, it, you know, continue giving us a platform for Jason to sing, and we'll keep bringing you his, his little uh, tones out of his voice every week. Wow. Thanks, Ben. You're welcome. <laughs> and as always, we really appreciate your kind words on social media. We love interacting with you on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Election College. And if you would, subscribe to us in iTunes. That helps us get this podcast in front of more awesome people just like you. And this week, it only takes 82.3 seconds to leave us a rating and review. Just go to electioncollege.com slash iTunes, and that will take you to the place that you need to go. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.